Well, good morning. Some of you stayed up pretty late, pretty late last night, didn't you? 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Who didn't sleep last night? Raise your hands. Who, who? Okay, I know I need to be speaking to you. Who slept more than eight hours last night? Are you married? Hey, welcome to chapel. I'm glad you are here. Turn to your neighbor to your right and say, hey, don't bother me. Turn to your neighbor to your right and say, don't bother me. Turn to the neighbor to your left and say, I'm not here for you. And this chapel is for you. You know, I think it's, chapel is a unique setting where you can just really, you're still going to be anxious and stressed out about class. You skip breakfast. You're mad about something that happened. But I think this intimate spot for just 28 minutes in here is, you can just sit down and relax. You know, I can see pretty good the first two rows. The rest of you, you take a nap in the back. I can't see you, but I still love you. But when you consider your life and how much time you have and when you actually get to spend time with yourself, many of us are uncomfortable being alone because you're so used to being with other people. And in our lives, we don't know how to sometimes reevaluate our condition and more so our spiritual condition. Uh, my prayer for you this morning, if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would call upon him. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. The Bible says that we're sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says that, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, all who call upon his name will be saved. This is scripture. I pray God will remove my lips and my words that may the scripture speak this morning. Who owns a vehicle? Raise it with a show of hands. Who owns a vehicle this morning? My goodness. Who owns a 2022 in here? Anybody? Can I have a ride? I need some rides. I need to borrow your vehicle for a date night. You know, I've got a nice date with my wife, Paige. Have I told you I love my wife, Paige? We, we're going to dose after chapel. So if you see me cutting down probably about 1035, say, Jose, you still got 10 minutes. Okay? I get a little date. My wife's in Sterling. Maybe she's in here. I told her not to come. If she's in here, it's going to be an argument. But I love my wife. I've got a Jeep, 2004 Liberty, and that's my swag mobile. It was my wife's Jeep in college, okay? Some of y'all are judging, but my Jeep's my baby. She's called Libby. Who has a name for your vehicle? Who, yeah, you got to personalize your car. But have you ever been on empty? Yeah? I can remember in high school. Man, I was poor in high school, okay? My best friend and I, we were doing track, and we are going to the gas station. And we didn't have any money, but we just lifted it up, and I said, bro, what are we going to do? We're, gonna, we're not going to make it 30 miles home. He had some pennies. You want to be humbled paying pennies. We got like $3.14 in gas, and we said, praise the Lord, we can make it home. But many times in our vehicles, when I have my, when I, my wife does not like it when I run the Jeep on low. So when I'm on the empty, I do this. Because that's how you have to check the gauge, right? Because when you're doing this, it kind of lies to you. You're like, I st I'm still good. I've got a little bit left. So I do this sometimes, and I say, okay, Lord, Lord, I know we live by faith, not by sight, but I hope I can make it a hutch and not have to call anyone and give, you, give me a ride. But oftentimes in our lives, we sometimes look in this perspective for our flesh that we think that, man, we're good. 
well, I've been going to the gym, I'm good, I'm eating fine and I'm good, I'm seeing results, I'm getting stronger, and academically I'm 3.8, 3.9, 4.0, I'm doing good there, and I feel good, I smell good, I think I look good, and some of you are walk with new outfits, okay, you know, tax season's coming up, don't spend, if I know where your money's going, don't buy new outfits, <laughs> right, amen on that, but when is the last time you sat down and said, how am I doing, how is my soul, because we often can rely on personality to hide behind our insecurities. We often can hide behind our athleticism to hide behind what we don't want others to know about us. And we can often hide behind our academics and what we're involved. So we can keep ourselves busy. And busy is good for many aspects. But when we keep ourselves busy to hide from other people and hide from God, that's a warning. And you're running on empty, my friend. And I pray for you. Like I told you, this message is for you. I pray if you don't know Jesus, that you would call upon him. Christian, this message is for you. The title of this message is A Cry of Confession. A Cry of Confession. We're going to be talking about repentance. We're going to be talking about what that means of looking at King David's life, looking at 2 Samuel 11 and 12, and the implications of the first 12 verses in Psalm 51. What does it actually mean for me today? Like, big whoop, Jose, that happened many years ago. But what does that mean for us as a believer? And what does repentance mean? look like within my life because I'll be honest with you many times we get busy you get so busy doing things and going through the motions you look up it's already Friday I'm like whoa I often think were my conversations with my spouse was I present with her was I present with my hams was I present with them because I can play with them and, and love on them but do I adore them do I adore my wife when I'm having 30 minute dinner with her or the moments we have time together before the babies are on the you know, bath time, whatnot. We often live life like that, and even our Christian walks, that we go to church on Sunday and Wednesday, and we plug into a Bible study, but we walk out and say, I have no idea what I learned. I pray throughout this message, you would take one word, one sentence, to be open. You know what? It's hard to listen to something you fully disagree with, you know, and I respect you doing that, but I pray you would keep your heart open because seniors, you have 11 weeks. You're graduating then. Your life will look differently. Some of you are going to get married and some of you will be engaged soon. Your life will look differently. But it will look like Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We're going to read the first couple verses. We'll do one through three. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. I'll continue going on to verse 12. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot up all of my iniquities. Verse 10. It's my prayer for us this morning. It's a prayer for me. Lord, would you create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Let me pray real quick. 
And Father, I pray for this word. Father, your word is living and active. Move as you please. In Christ's name, amen. So King David, a little context to this background here in Psalm 51. In 2 Samuel, we see King David. He was a warrior. He was, he was a man of God. He had conquered much in his life, and he had reached his peak. You know, when you have some success here, and you're like, yeah, athletes in here, when you had a good ball game, and you just, your stats were good, you're, man, you're, on, you're just here. No one, you're untouchable. You walk into class, you hear your name, you're like, yeah, that was me, because I hit that ball, I, I did that run, I, I did this thing, it made us win, but, you know, it's a team effort. But when you make a 98 on that exam, man, you can get slapped in the face and still feel good about it. Right? David was just on cloud nine. He was right here. But there was a season in his life where it says that he stayed in Jerusalem in a time where it was men were about to go to war. He sent Joab, his, his commander of the armies, and his mighty men to fight. But one thing happened. King David stayed behind. That tells us one thing, men. We don't, if we're lonely and not busy, it's a very, many temptations can come our way, men. And that's why we often find ourselves being busy. But David was not sent off and he stayed behind. And men and women in here, we, we battle the temptation of lust, right? Men, when you, find, when you see a girl that's attractive, you think, I think she's cute. Yeah? You think she's cute. It's our flesh. I know when I saw my wife in college, I said, I think she's cute. And she said, I think you're cute too. So let's date. And I said, I can offer you nothing, baby, but I still love you. And I'm married five years now. Praise the Lord. If you, many of you don't think you have hope, she loves me. I'm married by the grace of God. But King David, he didn't, he stayed back and he saw Bathsheba. She was bathing. You know, he did not do Job 31.1. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. He couldn't control himself. He said, I think she's cute. He sent a messenger, hey, I don't know who she is. Hey, that's Uri Uriah. He's one of your best men. He's, in the, he's fighting war right now. He's one of your men, mighty warriors. He said, I don't care. Bring her, bring her to me. So because we're all 18 in here, right? We're all big kids. You know what they did? Tell me, what did David do with Bathsheba? Someone tell me right now. Say, say that word. What did I do? Say Zach louder. All right. <laughs> they had sex, okay? That's what the Bible says. He lay with her. Okay? Thank you, Zach. We're adults in here. So David had sex with Bathsheba. What did he just do? One of his best friends, one of his best men in war, out in war, Job fighting in war, he stayed back. His guard was down. And you know what? You know, my friends... This is a term we use with men. He, David was thirsty. Was he? He was. Amen on that? Come on. We have to guard our eyes. He was. So because he was thirsty, he took Bathsheba and had sex with her. Well, when you have sex, you have kids. Right? But all of this after being a, got what God has done in his life, and this just shows you you can be in the pinnacle Highs of highs and so close to God and fall that easy. It tells me as a Christian, how dare I rely on myself, my achievements, my position, my accolades. 
Because the moment I trust in myself, cursed is the man who puts his trust in man, and you fall. And many of you think, well, that's a cool story. I, I like King David. You're like, yeah, I, I like it. I, I'm down with that. You don't know the other story. He sends off to send to Uriah, hey, Job, we need Uriah back. Send him back. And the messenger tells Uriah, and David and Uriah meet up, and he says this. He's, hey, Uriah, welcome back. How's war going? Uriah tells him, hey, we're doing okay. I want you to stay back a day with me. Just go, go, go hang out with Bathsheba. Go hang out with your love. Go hang out with your wife. As a married man, generally, right? He stayed on the porch, slept that night, and King David was mad. He said, okay. Bathsheba's pregnant. She's pregnant now. How can I hide this sin? He says, well, they're going to drink a little bit. What does the Bible say? They got drunk. Okay. King David gave Uriah too many shots. He got drunk. All right. Now you probably have a song going through your mind. He slept on the porch, and King David said, what are you doing? He said, my men are out in war, and they're out open sleeping in the field. And how dare I lay with my wife and disrespect my war and my military and my status. So King David said, you know what? One of his best men. Can you imagine doing this to one of your best men in war and one of your best friends? He did. He wrote a letter. Imagine what would be going through King David's head as he writes the letter. He said, send Uriah to the front of the line, and when the army is strong, pull back, retreat. Joab gets this letter that's sent. Imagine you carrying your death letter, and if it were me, let me tell you, if it were me in that story, I probably would have read it. How many of you get reference letters, and you're like, yeah, I want to read it, but not? I probably would have opened that up and said, you know what, oh, great, that's what he thinks of me. But he doesn't. He sends it up to Joab, and Joab is a commander. He said, Job, I have this for you. This is for you. And Job reads it. Send my best men to the front. As a commander of war, you don't do that. But he respected King David. He says, Uriah, I need you, I need you in the front lines. I'm going to send you there. He was an expert in war, the strategy. He sends Uriah in the front, and they pull back. He gets overcome, and he, he dies. And words, they send a messenger back to King David. He's dead. David thinks, wow, Uriah's dead. People think he came back into town two nights. He was with his wife. She's pregnant. Problem solved. But King David sent a message back to Job. Hey, don't let this discourage you, Job. Men fight and we die by the sword every day. It's cool. So King David tried to hide the fact that he lay with Bathsheba, and she became pregnant, thinking, I'm going to send Uriah to die. So people thought, well, he came back a couple days, and now she's pregnant. Cool. That's fine. Do you think God will let that slide? No. He sends Nathan to him. Nathan said there's a story that a, man, a rich man had many sheep and cattle, and the poor man had one little lamb, and there's a traveler that wanted to buy one sheep from the rich traveler because he had guests to come, and this traveler didn't buy from the rich man because the rich man wouldn't allow him, and we see the traveler take the one little lamb. The Bible says that this lamb was fed from the hand and fed, drank, and was, it was raised with their family, and the traveler took that one lamb from the poor man, and David said this, that man deserves to die. And Nathan, Nathan's response said this, this man is you. 
As you have sinned, so you will receive a consequence. I made you king, but now you will receive the consequence of your sin. And David here in Psalm 51, if you're here this morning and, and you feel like you've messed up so bad, I don't think anyone's committed. Raise your hand if you committed murder. In your mind, yeah, I got you one. In your mind, you probably have. You probably committed murder in your mind. What about lust? In your mind, you probably have. This guy probably, David, if he was modern day, he wouldn't be allowed in church. Mm -mm. But he came to a point, have you ever been broken of your sin under the holiness of God? See, as Christians, we think well, it's okay. Grace abounds. And we, and we warp sin into something, well, it's okay. It doesn't bother us. And as, as Christians, we become tolerant about our sin. We're Christian. It's fine. My friends do it. Oh, that's what I told you. Don't focus on the person next to you. Focus on yourself. It's not about them. It's about you and your relationship with your Lord. Where are you at? Are you, are you running low spiritually? Because King David, this is a psalm where he cries out to God. And my prayer is that you would cry out to God in repentance of your sin this morning. Because God is the only one that can forgive sin. It's not a man that can forgive sin. I know the Bible says confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Let's say I slap Zach in the face. And he slaps me back. We don't like each other. Zach, I'm sorry for slapping your face. We cool, we cool. All right, we're healed. We move on. It talks about reconciliation and restoration. And in this context, David cries out to God. And when was the last time your sin grieved? You grieved over your sin. You said, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've been running from you. Lord, I'm so sorry I know the Bible but have still been living the wrong way. Let me tell you, my friend, God exposes evil. He disciplines those he loves. So if you continue doing so, you will be disciplined by God because he loves his children. You will not make a mockery out of God. God is not mocked. He keeps his children accountable. And we as brothers and sisters are to keep us, each other, accountable. But Psalm 51, David cries out, have mercy on me, O God. We need to come to a moment of transparency. A moment of transparency. We're so good at being fake. We're so good at hiding behind ourselves. We're so good behind hiding behind the makeup, hiding behind our outfits. Some of y'all have good fashion, by the way. We're so good at it. Aren't you tired of just faking it, Jason? Do I need to move on to the handheld mic? Give me an amen. Yeah, I'll transition. Transition from that. Wait a minute. silence, right? I love awkward silence. My wife doesn't like it when I just don't speak to her in the Jeep. I sometimes think to myself, and she asked me, what are you thinking? I said, do you really want to know? So we go off on tangents. But a moment of transparency. What's transparency mean? That you're real. You know, are you real with your relationship with the Lord? Transparent means you're seen through, that I can just fully trust in you. And some relationships in here are toxic. You're there because it's good security. I understand. Who wants to be lonely in college? It's hard, but in the strength of the Lord, you can be a witness in your walk with him. But we see transparency. David says, have mercy on me according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. He says, blot it, wash it. 
but he also owned it, for I know my transgression. Some of us have not owned up to our sin, and you've had brothers and sisters try to gently restore and reconcile you. We, you've had Matthew 18 on you, maybe, a church discipline, and we still, it's not me, Jose, look at you, you're doing it too. We get defensive because it's our natural instinct to defend ourselves. We either build up emotionally or some bias, so we, you're just trying to defend who you are. You don't want to get hurt anymore. When we're confronted with someone holding us accountable, David could have slapped Nathan in the face. That wouldn't have went well. David said, okay, I've, I'm going to repent. I want reconciliation. But transparency, we have to come to a moment of transparency with my walk with Christ. We see that in verse 1 through 3, but also a moment of acknowledgement. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sights. We have to acknowledge that this is sin towards a, a holy and righteous and loving God. You think God is just somebody up there, uh, a, a magic genie who's going to grant you every desire. He's holy. He has a standard for Christians. And he's called us to be above reproach. He's called us to walk in godliness and holiness. But so often we like the easy way out. The Bible says that there's a path that leads to destruction. The gate is wide that leads to destruction, but the road is narrow. Those who find it is life. But transparency and acknowledgement, not only do we have to see a moment of acknowledgement, but I believe a moment of renewal. If you look in verse 7 through 10, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So a moment of renewal. Let me tell you, my wife gives my daughter's bath time. I've done it a couple times. She just does it, and she likes to do it. I'm just afraid Aria's going to slip on me. Because when a baby's wet, they're just wet. I can't. I, I don't have any grip on her. But when Aria, I'm usually laying on the couch. Who likes to lay on the couch? I do. So when I'm home, when they're taking a bath, I like to lay on the couch. I told you, Tweet, I play uh, Clash of Clans sometimes. I do a little Clash of Clans, but I'm trying to learn how to play chess. Laying, I lay on the couch, and Aria just comes, and she runs. She is squeaky clean. She feels good. She's smiling. Oh. But how much more can you be washed by the blood of the Lamb? When you know you're a broken sinner, that you know that no one's righteous, no, not one. That we are wicked, that our hearts are wicked, that no good deed is like a filthy rag. There's nothing that I can bring towards God other than my sin. And God says, because you've trusted me, the righteousness of God has been, been imputed upon you. And the unrighteousness has been imputed upon Christ on that cross. And God appeased and atoned for sin of the world for those who would place their their faith in Christ, that you would be cleansed. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the Bible is. That's the gospel, the good news, that David was able to restore himself. Not only he found renewal, but he found restoration. And this is where I want to start landing. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with the willing spirit. I pray this every morning. Joy. Some Christians, you know some Christians that walk around just kind of sad. I love you. But some Christians, you just make me in a bad mood. <laughs> like, bro, you just smile, please. At least don't tell me that you're doing good. Don't lie to me. Some Christians, joy has been just vaporized. 
as anxiety may be clouded, that depression, a broken relationship, or you know you've crossed the line in the relationship, and you feel so guilty and so shameful, you think, well, I'm done. God's not going to forgive me. I'm going to continue doing this sin. But let me tell you, King David murdered. He committed adultery. Nathan confronted him. He repented. David was transparent for a holy God. He acknowledges sin. He prayed for renewal, and he prayed for restoration. My prayer for each of us is that we would repent. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaching Pentecost, and the crowd says, okay, so what? What should we do about this? And Peter says, repent and be baptized to every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not the power in these words. It's power in the scripture. Nothing I say is powerful. It's the scripture that's living in the active, sharper. It can penetrate the depths of our soul. So Christian, take a heart check. Are you being transparent toward your brother and sister? Are you being transparent towards God? Are you acknowledging your sin? Are you asking for renewal? Are you asking for restoration? If we were to look back in your life in this past week, some of you are running on empty. And you've been running on empty so long and you've been adjusted to it. When you crash, you crash hard. And you've been dealing with a level of anxiety that you're kind of adjusted to it, but now a new level. So you get adjusted to these levels and your emotional cycles. You're adjusted to it. It's the new normal for you. And your walk with, in Christ, you're like, well, I'm not, I don't know what I can do. Repent of your sin. Turn from yourself. Die to yourself. And cling to a Jesus that forgives you of your sin. Fight over lust. Fight over temptation. Fight over bad language. Fight your mind. It's a warfare. Christians, I want the Christians not to sit in the back, but us to be in the middle of the war. Taking this gospel of hope for those who do not know Jesus. This is the only hope that I have to offer you. It's hope in Christ. In him alone for salvation alone. It is by faith alone. It's not of works so that no one may boast. It's a gift of God. Christian, my encouragement. If I want God to work in my life, it begins with me. I pray that you can say that as a believer in Christ. Lord, I repent of my sin. I turn to you. I, I'm, I'm going to stop leaning on my own character or my own personality, but really submit and yield to you, Father. God, I really want to be used on this campus. I know my past is in my past, but you, you told me I'm not going to remember it. And I'm old now. I'm a new person. Other people may, may not see it, but let my fruit be vibrant in my life. So we must be transparent. We must come to acknowledgement. We must seek renewal, and we must pray for restoration. Don't you want joy in your life? I want joy, but joy is only going to be found in Christ. So if you don't know Christ in a relationship, I'm going to ask you again, if you, were, if you were to die right now, where do you go, heaven or hell? If you die right now, where do you go, heaven or hell? If you're like, I'm not sure, I want to come talk, talk to me. Find me in my office. Or if you're like, man, Jose, I want to trust in Christ right now. Talk to me. If you want to stay and pray afterwards, pray over your remorse of sin, stay here. However God's working, God is not contained. He's always at work. He's always at work in unseen ways. Let me pray for you. And after I pray, we're going to have a text. Lord, Father, I thank you. 
Father, I pray for repentance. It starts with me. You don't want sacrifices. You want a broken and contrite heart. I pray for transparency, acknowledgement of sin, that we would come to renewal of our spirit and restoration and the joy of our salvation. It comes through you alone, but it comes through a broken sinner who remorses over sin and self, that we, we will turn to Christ in the hope of the gospel and in your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.